from B Media Production. This is Business Essentials, practical advice and ideas to grow your business. Welcome to this episode of Business Essentials Podcast. I'm Peter Letts. How much do REITs feature in your share portfolio? Also known as listed property trusts, they've had an interesting history during the 40 years that they've been around, some of them producing extraordinary returns over time, apart from during the global financial crisis when values dived and there was much rationalisation in the sector. Whether or not you've invested in them, you'd recognise some of the names. Goodman Group, Mervac, Stockland, to name a few. Or, if you're unlucky in the GFC, Centro. Greg Keady of APW Partners tells us more about this sector of the share market and why you might like to consider REITs in your own portfolio. First question from Heather Dawson, how many REITs are there in the market currently? There's 28 um, in Australia, so there's been quite a bit of rationalisation if you go back to the global financial crisis. Companies like Centro, for example, very you know prominent in this sector, experienced some fairly ordinary times. Many, I guess, property trusts were found to have far too high levels of debt and had borrowed from parties, counterparties overseas that themselves got into hot water during the global financial crisis and needed to call upon those monies to be repaid. So there were quite a number that you know, that almost fell by the wayside and some that did. And equally, there's just been, I guess, a series of acquisitions. It's a very heavily concentrated market. So in Australia, for example, you know, of the top five property trusts of the, of the 28, you know, there's two thirds, if you like, of the value of all 28 property trusts essentially vested in the top five. And I think there's 90, there's 85 to 90% in the top 10. So it's a, it's a pretty small market. It used to be far more substantial. It was, uh, if you went back to just prior to the global financial crisis, looking at the period from 1982 up to 2007, it was, uh, it was the, you know, the best performing sector of the Australian share market. And they took a bashing in the global financial crisis, but there's been a surge, a real surge since yeah, then. Hasn't yeah, that's there? right. I guess it's, I guess that one of the reasons for picking this topic to talk to essentially is that, you know, we're a decade on from the bottom of the global financial crisis. February, March 2009 was, I guess, you know, where we see the markets having, you know, bottomed out across the developed world, um, some a little bit earlier than others, but essentially around that time. So if you look to, I guess, the end of March and end of June 2019 performance tables across equities and properties and bonds, you know, at the top of the tables are REITs, Australian REITs, you know, posting a 21% return, for example, to the 30th of June, which is a pretty substantial return. Um, you know, think about um, if you go back over a longer period of time, you know, if we go back over the course of the last um, one, three and five years, for example, you're looking at a return of about 7.5% for the last three years, a bit over 13%. 14% for the last five and 10 years. So 14% over a decade per annum is a very substantial return. Um, we just have to acknowledge and accept that that's coming off a very significant decline where, for example, the largest of the property trust, Goodman Group, you know, dropped nearly 90% in that period of time from you know, November 2007 down to the bottom of that period in March, February, March of 2009. So now they're popular again. Why should investors consider them? Well, they're, they're certainly an appropriate consideration because they are essentially, you're obviously buying a share of a property and have a right to participate in the growth of that property's value and also to participate in a proportion of that property's rent. Some of the property trusts listed on the stock exchange focus in industrial properties, some of them in, in office space, some of them in hotels um, and tourist I guess, destination properties and so forth. And many of those properties are actually out of the reach of an investor, an average investor, 
just by sheer value, the value of those underlying assets. So they're pooled vehicles. In other words, you know, what you're basically doing is pooling your money with other investors and managers under the, I guess, the, uh, the regime of the stock exchange, where there is transparency and scrutiny and regulation governing price and disclosure of conflicts of interest and so forth. So it's a healthy environment in which to actually to consider investing. You can acquire them directly um, yourself on the stock exchange. You can pull your assets into managed funds and actually buy a series of them so that you've got broader diversification. You can do that in Australia, you can do that overseas. So there's a different number of different ways, but essentially it's a, it's a very good way to actually diversify across commercial property, industrial, retail, hotel, tourist properties and so forth. And there's also, there's an element, there's only 1% of the market that's actually represented in residential property. So it's typically not a way to diversify into residential properties. It's typically commercial, industrial, office, retail properties. Does it depend on the, the value of properties generally? Do you need to just watch the general broad property market to be able to understand it better? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. But I guess, you know, there sometimes there can be different uh, cycles to these markets. So if you were to look back over the last 12 months at residential property, we're not necessarily expecting we wouldn't see a return of 5, 10 or certainly not 21%. So, you know, the commercial, industrial, retail properties are posting returns that are similar through time, but at a different cycle. So we've certainly seen a different um, return coming from that sector relative to residential property. The other thing, I guess, is that these properties typically have much longer leases, okay? So the tenants, whether they're governments or corporations, uh, whether they're mum and dad businesses, whatever the case may be, they're typically longer duration rents than a residential property. So there might be 15 to 20-year cycles, for example, in some instances. It might be rolling five-year, five-by-five terms and so forth. So there's arguably more stability in the cash flows. But equally, if you think of uh, manufacturing in this country and certain sectors of the economy that are struggling, now they can impact different sectors of the property market as well. So I think the expansion of the likes of Amazon and so forth and the demand for industrial property space for storage and so forth has certainly changed. So there's, a, there's certainly been a resurgence of demand of those properties in more recent times. So they're different segments, um, and it's certainly, a, I guess, a, a component of a well-diversified portfolio should consider being invested in REITs in Australia and overseas. The overseas markets really, I guess, extend a much broader number of opportunities so that you're not so concentrated with maybe five of your holdings representing two-thirds of an entire marketplace. Okay. Well, Greg, you mentioned some pretty impressive returns, some of them, but uh, what do you need to be careful about? Um, I guess with any market, um, there are boom and bust periods. So it's really important to remember that um, you know that investing purely on the basis of past performance, you need to be very careful in doing so. So there's no question that people will be attracted to these because whenever there's a strong return in a sector of a market, the professional investment management universe creates a whole series of product. So the fund managers, um, no doubt, and are, banks included, promoting this sector as we speak and um, as a very good long-term investment. And uh, and that is certainly the case, but you should really be thinking about a, a seven or eight or 10-year time frame for investing into these types of investments to really capture the return. I think you also need to accept that you know there are periods that, that they decline and, um, and that these values actually will experience a negative return, not necessarily to the same extent as the broader share market, but um, you need to understand the level of debt that exists in, in each of these properties and um, and whether you should diversify across a broad number or you know, I certainly wouldn't advise that you concentrate your exposure into a small number of these types of investments. You know, diversification certainly is a much more prudent way to approach any given sector, this one as well, no different. Well, if you want to get involved then, what's the first step? 
The first step, I guess, is to read, to educate yourself. Um, there's some, you know, fantastic forums. Just by typing in "read" into Google, for instance, will actually to yield a, a number of different institutions that provide plenty of materials. But equally, if you're dealing with a financial advisor, to ask the question as to what proportion you hold in REITs, because it just may not be apparent in your Australian share portfolio, unless they exclude REITs, there'll probably more than likely be about 10% of your portfolio exposed to REITs anyway. So I think taking an interest, understanding what you've got in terms of exposure, and then considering the broader affairs and to what extent you need a greater exposure to REITs, but also to look outside of Australia, I think that's really, really important, um, so that you're not reliant on a you know, concentrated few. I think that's something that, that investors, probably most people through their superannuation funds will have REIT exposure. They may not necessarily understand that or identify that, but that's something they should discuss with their financial advisor to actually ensure that they've got a, a prudent, diversified exposure to this sector. Greg Keedy, APW Partners. And that ends Business Essentials Podcast. So you don't miss out on future episodes, why not subscribe? And if you found this valuable, we'd love you to leave a review. For further information about us, or if you'd like to listen to more interviews like this one, visit businessessentials.com.au. We hope you've enjoyed Business Essentials Podcast. I'm Peter Letts. Thanks for listening. This Business Essentials podcast has been produced by B Media Production, building engagement and adding value through quality audio communication.